Uh, John chapter number 10, if you would be, well, you can go ahead and remain seated for the reading of God's Word this morning. Uh, John chapter number 10, last week we preached a message entitled, When Jesus Passed By, and he closed that passage with basically another parable. We'll get into some of this today, but we're going to read God's Word beginning in verse number 1. We'll read John chapter 10, verses 1 through 13, and then we'll pray. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. We'll read verse 14, and then open in prayer. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. Let's, let's pray as we consider this morning the Good Shepherd and His sheep. Yeah. Our Father in heaven, we humble ourselves in your presence this morning. I ask you, Lord, that you would speak to the hearts of those that are here. I pray, Lord, that you'd be with me as I preach. Protect me from things I should not say. But help me, Lord, to preach with power. And I also pray that the Holy Spirit would convict the hearts of those that are here today. I pray that you'd uplift the saint. I pray that you'd convict the sinner. And may we all be able to say when we're done here today that it's been good for us to be in the house of the Lord. We pray and we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Before we get started today, I've already heard some kind of uh, technological device beeping in the service. Uh, make sure that you please turn your phones on silent. I remember going into a courtroom once. And this is not a courtroom. This is the Lord's house. This is a whole lot more important than a courtroom. But uh, the, the judge... Uh, wanted, to, wanted us to know. We, we were there at a, at, a, at a court proceeding, and it was about a 7 p.m. meeting. I was there because I forgot to renew my tags. I got pulled over because my tags were expired. So I had to go to a courtroom in Pacific, Missouri, and uh, showed up at 7 o'clock, and the judge began the proceeding by saying, this is not your house, this is a courthouse. And she said, I want all of you to know that if you have a phone here today, if it goes off during my court session, I will take your phone and I will put you in jail overnight and hold you in contempt for disturbing this, court, this courtroom. 
And so immediately I took my phone out and I, I grabbed it and I said, oh Lord, please help no alerts to go off on my phone. And I turned my phone completely off because I didn't want to go to jail. About five minutes later, we were in the middle of the first, uh, the first case that she was hearing and a young man's phone went off. About five minutes later, and she, she says, bailiff, take him into custody, put the young man in the front row, took his phone, and housed him in jail that night. And there he learned a lesson that if the judge says, turn your phone off, it's probably best to turn your phone off. Now, we won't kick you out of here, and nor will I incarcerate you if your phone goes off at church. But if you would please be so kind as to turn your phone on mute. I will not be as mean as the judge. But this is the Lord's house. So uh, as, as I just turned my own phone off. So uh, <laughs> you saw. Uh, John chapter number 10. We just got through chapter number, number 9 last week. We learned that the last phrase in chapter 8 was that Jesus passed by and he went through the host of the Pharisees and no change was made in their life. They didn't, Jesus didn't pass by and it made no difference to them because they remained exactly the same. But then in chapter number 9, he passed by and saw a man who was blind from his birth. And he gave him sight. He spat on the ground. He made clay out of what he did with the dirt and the clay. And he put it on this man's eyes and told him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And he came back seeing. And it caused such a stir around this area that the Pharisees weren't convinced that this man who now had received his sight was in fact born blind. They certainly didn't want to give any credit to Jesus because they believed they didn't receive Jesus. They didn't believe that he was sent from God. He didn't do things the way that they wanted him to do them. He healed people on the Sabbath day. This was against the kind of things that they stood for. They were religious, but they were lost. And you see at the end, they brought his parents in. They, they did this interrogation on his parents. And then they said, let him speak for himself. And you saw what took place last week where after he said, listen, are you going to believe on the Lord? Because I'm testifying of what Jesus did for me. And they cast this man out of the temple. And then we find Jesus finding this man, and he said, hey, if you believe on the Son of God, in John chapter number 9, uh, they cast this man out, and Jesus found this man, and at the end of verse number 35, he said, do you believe on the Son of God? And he, he, he said, who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? He'd never seen the Lord before. The last time he had met Christ, Christ had just anointed his eyes, and the Lord was gone by the time he came back with his sight. Jesus identified himself. To him in verse number 37, he said, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And then he worshiped the Lord. So last week we learned that when Jesus passes by, there was teaching, there was healing, there is controversy, there's persecution and rejection, there's saving faith, and of course, here there is worship. And thank the Lord for those who've received their sight and by faith continue to worship the Lord. But all of this comes to the last three verses in John chapter number 9, where the Lord begins to speak about the truth of those who were spiritually blind. You know, you can physically see and be spiritually blind. You can physically have eyes, but you may be spiritually blind. In verse number 39, and Jesus said, For judgment I am come into the world, into this world, that they which see not might see. Now, who is he referring to when he says that they which see not might see? He's referring to this man who 
who he had healed, who he had given sight to, who is now worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He, he was formerly blind, but now he sees. More than that, he knows who the Son of God is, and he's received Christ by faith. But then he goes on to say, and that they which see might be made blind. And the Pharisees, you know, they were kind of dense. They didn't get what Christ said at times. You know, I, I'm amused by verse 40. It says that some of the Pharisees which heard, it, heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? <laughs> hey, is he talking about us? I think he's talking about us. <laughs> yes, Jesus was talking about the Pharisees. A religious crowd, but they were lost. They thought they were good without Jesus. They rejected Jesus Christ. And I want to say this. If you think you're okay while you reject Jesus Christ, you're wrong. You're blind. And you need to be given sight by the Lord. Verse 41. And Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see. Therefore, your sin remaineth. You know, the, the Lord then goes on into a, the, a parable in John chapter number 10. Basically what he was saying was that these folks had spiritual eyes, or they had physical eyes, but they were spiritually blind. But Christ plainly told them that they were still in their sins. Their sin remained. You know, when you meet the Lord and you still retain your sin, that's not good. The purpose of meeting the Lord is so that your sins might be washed away. All of us have a need to have our sins walked, washed away. Some of you have never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, your sin remaineth. You still bear your sins and you'll answer for your sins. Now the Bible speaks about this in Revelation chapter 20. Where those who have died without Christ be judged by their works. If you would turn your Bible over to Revelation chapter number 20. Revelation is the last book in the Bible. And in Revelation chapter number 20, the scripture says that there's a coming judgment that's going to be. It's called the Great White Throne Judgment. We'll only take time for a few moments to consider this Great White Throne Judgment. If you die in your sins, if you die without having your sins forgiven, this is in your future. You will go to the Great White Throne Judgment. Verse 11 of Revelation chapter 20, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. But there was found no place for them. In other words, there's no place that people can hide on this day of judgment. Mm -hmm. You cannot hide from the Lord on the day of judgment. In verse 12, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So what do we find on the day of judgment for those that are lost? There's going to be books that are present. The book of life will be there. Names are recorded inside of that book of life. But there are also books that were there which were known as the books of works. You know, God is a good record keeper. You ever met somebody who liked to change history? You ever met somebody who liked to rewrite what took place in the past? All of us like to look at ourselves in a good light. Well, there was a reason for that. That's not how that happened. Have you ever had two people that were in total contradiction of what took place? You'll see this in school sometimes, where one person is testifying against another, and somebody testifies against this one, and somebody's telling the truth, and somebody's lying, and, or maybe both of them are lying, and the truth lies somewhere. 
100% truth. There will be no skewing or error to it. When those books are open, it's going to tell the truth. That what you thought, what you did. The Bible talks about our thoughts. The thought of foolishness is sin. To think that your thoughts will be called into the day of judgment. There's going to be a lot of people who are completely embarrassed on the day of judgment because their thoughts are going to be brought before other people. The Bible says that the secrets of men are going to be brought out in the day of judgment. Nothing in your heart is going to be secret and nothing you've done is going to be secret. When those books are read, it's going to read the truth. And my friend, you don't have to go to that judgment. The Lord can save you of your sin and wash your sins. But if you die without Christ, this is where you'll go. It's a terrible day. It's a faithful day. It's a fearful day. When the very things you've thought, the things that you've done in life, that you will give an answer for that on this day of judgment. At the end of verse number 13, notice again, that the dead were judged every man according to their works. Now I believe that the book of life, and we're not going to get into all of this today, but there is a book of life here that's mentioned. The Bible says, who is who was not found in the book of life? That were written in the book of life were cast into the lake of fire. I believe that names get blotted out of that book if you haven't believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord remembers you no more. I want to encourage you today to understand that you don't have to go to the great white throne judgment. You can be saved. You can have your sins forgiven. You say, why did you say that? Well, because Jesus told these Pharisees that their sin remaineth. If you die and you go out into eternity and your sin remains... You will answer for them in the next life. But for those of us who are saved, when you get saved, you know when your sins were judged? They were judged on Calvary. My sins were paid for on Calvary. When I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, I got the imputed righteousness of Christ. He washed away my sins and He gave me His righteousness. This is why you must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to receive the free gift of salvation. So the Lord here is, is basically pointing out that there is a lost crowd and a saved crowd. And then he goes into this parable in chapter number 10. Now here in this picture we have that Jesus said that he was the door of the sheep. This picture kind of demonstrates what it would look like in the Old Testament when they would pen up sheep. At nighttime they would put the sheep inside of a pen. Many times it was different herds of sheep that would all be put into the same pen. And sometimes they would hire somebody that would be called a porter to sleep overnight to a shepherd that had some finances. He would hire somebody to where he could go to his own house and the, the porter would remain there overnight. But this is the position of a shepherd or a porter. He would stand at the door. And only those who came into that door were allowed to come in and out. And this illustrates Jesus saying that he is the door. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you look at this picture spiritually, in order to get into the Lord's fold, you have to go through the door. But you, but you have a lot of people who try to go up another way. And this is what the Lord is speaking about in this parable in chapter number 10, verse number 1 and following. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief, and a robber. So in this we start finding the characteristics of thieves. Who is the thief in the story? The thief is someone who ends up in the fold. We're on the next slide. The characteristics of a thief is basically someone who does not come in through that door but climbs up some
some other way. Sometimes people who are not saved enter into the fold. They climb up some other way. And many times those that climb up another way seek to get the sheep's attention and call the sheep to themselves. This is a picture of the Pharisee. It's a picture of false teachers. There are many false teachers that are in the world today. They've climbed up another way. And Jesus was basically rebuking these that were calling other people to follow them but not follow him. And so it says very, uh, several things about the thief in this passage of Scripture. The Bible talks about the characteristics of sheep in just a moment. But the Bible goes on to say in verse number 8 of John chapter number 10. Speaking of thieves and robbers. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. And then notice in verse number 10, the, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Then he goes on to speak of a hireling who, who looks out for himself and not for the welfare of the sheep. When danger comes, the hireling gets lost. He, he, he's out of there because he doesn't care for the sheep, he cares for himself. But the characteristics of thieves, thieves follow along with who the Pharisees were in the previous chapter. Who are they trying? Who are they stealing from? Here's a man who's been given his sight, who was blind from birth, and they're upset about it. Who benefited from Christ? The blind man benefited from Christ. Did the Pharisees benefit from Christ? No. They were thieves. They were robbers. They said they were in the fold, but they didn't come to the door. They didn't receive Jesus Christ. That's the characteristics of the, of the thief. But if you go on, if you think about what other things that John chapter 10 points out, it points out what the characteristics of the sheep are. There's not only the characteristics of false teachers or the Pharisees, but there are characteristics of those who are known as sheep. Now, if you have been saved by the grace of God, there's a couple of things that the Bible says. When you get saved, you become a newborn babe in Christ. You're like a newborn baby. You need to eat the sincere milk of the word. 1 Peter 2.2 deals with this. It also likens those who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ to a sheep. David said in Psalm chapter 23, The Lord is my shepherd. Yeah, yeah. Now not everybody in this room today can make that declaration. Yeah. The, the Lord is not everyone's shepherd. There are people today who are following things they should not follow and doing things they shouldn't do. And they're claiming that the Lord is their shepherd. The Lord leads you in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. He doesn't lead in paths of unrighteousness. But when it talks about the characteristics of sheep in this passage, this should describe you as a believer. Notice in verse number 2. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So the shepherd comes in by the door. He guards the door. Notice what it says about sheep in verse number 3. That the sheep hear his voice. The sheep hear the voice of the Lord. In John chapter 10, in verse number 27, it says something like this. Here in John 10, verse 27. We didn't read this today. We may get into this in the next couple of weeks, but we'll get into this point now. Jesus said this very plainly. My sheep hear my voice. Now, how do you hear the voice of the Lord? If you're saved, you've at least heard it once. It's a still, small voice. It's a voice that speaks in the innermost part of your soul. Years ago, when I was not saved and sitting in a church service, much like this one, the pastor was preaching. 
And he was preaching about all my sins being laid on the back of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I fell under something called conviction. I believe conviction is necessary for someone to get saved. It's that burning of the heart. It's where somebody may be preaching to me, but something from another world, God himself, is speaking to your heart. He was knocking on my heart's door. He was telling me, the Spirit was, this convicting Spirit was telling me that what the preacher was saying was true. There should be a secondary voice that you hear when you come to church. It's not just the voice of the preacher, it's the voice of the real preacher. It's the voice of the Holy One. It's the voice from on high. If you've never heard that voice, you've never been saved. You say, how does that voice speak? It's not audible. He doesn't come down and audibly speak to you. It's a still small voice that happens in the, in the deepest part of your heart where God speaks to your heart. God speaks to people through His Word. One thing that is said very plainly here in John chapter 10 is this. God's sheep hear His voice. I remember when He called my name. I remember when He told me that I needed to be saved. And I remember receiving that and coming to Christ by faith. One thing is for sure, the, the Lord's sheep hear His voice. Some of you have never heard the voice of the Lord, maybe you'll hear it this morning. That is our prayer. It is our prayer that the voice of the Lord, if you're lost today, you know this, the Lord doesn't want you to remain lost. The Bible says that He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So it says that the Lord's sheep hear His voice. Notice what else it says in verse number 3. It says that the Lord calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. The picture is of when the Lord comes to this, the pen, okay? And there's a porter there. The porter opened it. There's much discussion about who the porter is. This word porter is only used four times in the scripture. And each time it was a keeper of the door. Okay, it wasn't always a man. Sometimes it was a woman. There was a story later on in the book of Acts where there was somebody who was keeping the door. The same word for porter in John chapter 10 was used for this lady who was keeping the door over a church meeting. If you remember, Peter showed up and she didn't even believe it was him. Or the church didn't believe it was him. They're all praying for Peter to get delivered. And she's like, Peter's at the door. And they're like, oh, be quiet. You don't know what's going on. Anyway, she was a keeper of the door as well. But that's basically what the, the story, many people and some commentators believe that the porter was like John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. He identified Jesus Christ. He was the forerunner of Christ. But what I can say to you is that if, if there was a multitude of sheep inside of one pen, some from different folds, the sheep that belong, you, you might think, man, it would be difficult to identify which sheep belongs where. That'd be hard to figure out. But... The sheep that belong to one shepherd, they know the shepherd's voice. When the shepherd came in, he could identify his sheep, and the sheep would, would be attentive to him. He could lead only his flock out of that pen and lead them to that place where there were green pastures and still waters. You know, the scripture is very clear here, is that when Jesus calls you, he'll call you by name. The Lord knows where you came from. He knows your parents. He knows your grandparents and your great-grandparents. He knows your pedigree. He knows where you come from. You know, we have people here in this church, people like Brother Wayne, who's been familiar with other people who live here, and sometimes he's been able to give me a history of that person's family. 
He told me, I knew that person's great-grandpa, or I knew that person's great-grandma. You know, Brother Wayne has that perspective of being able to see different generations of what's taking place in people's family. This is how God is. God knows everything about you. Right. He knows everything that makes you up as a person. And when He comes to call you, He'll call you out by name. He doesn't want you to remain lost. He wants you to be saved. So it's a characteristic of the sheep to hear the voice of the Lord and also to follow the Lord. Notice in verse number 27 again. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and notice this, and they follow me. They follow me. This is the characteristics of being a follower of the Lord. We have people today who are being told, you don't have to follow the Lord in the matter of salvation. You just need to pray a prayer. If you pray a prayer, then most certainly you're saved. You won't die and go to hell because you prayed a prayer, and therefore you are saved. Just because you pray a prayer does not mean that you are saved. You, are, you must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You must receive Him as your Lord and Savior. When you come to the Lord, you receive Him as Lord. You follow Him. If there was no signing up to follow the Lord, there was no salvation. You say, it sounds to me like you're preaching works for salvation. Absolutely not. I preach, I preach salvation is full and free. Salvation is only by faith. But when you truly receive the Lord Jesus Christ, your faith will produce something in your life. You were created in Christ Jesus unto good works. It's those who fight against these things who are trying to say, oh, you're preaching a works for salvation. If you ever sell somebody on a bill of goods that tells them that they can get saved and they won't have to go to hell, but they never have to follow the Lord a day in their life, you are selling them a bill of goods. It sounds to me like you climbed up another way. Because the Bible says that God's sheep follow Him. You know, you can't run a sheep off with the truth. The, the sheep will identify those who are speaking the truth to them. They identify the, the shepherd. This is, again, a characteristic of the sheep. Verse number 5, notice this. Well, at the end of verse number 4, it says they know His voice. They know the voice of the shepherd. The sheep know the voice of the shepherd. In verse number 5 it says, And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. God's sheep can identify a wolf. God's sheep can identify those who are not a shepherd. God's sheep can identify a stranger. This is what tells me that there are so many people, even who attend church, who are living in peril today. You know, there's a lot of voices that are out there, young people, that are calling for your attention today. This world is really good at speaking very loudly and obscuring what the truth is, putting a neon light before you, getting you to believe lies. But one thing that is for sure, if you're one of the Lord's sheep, you're going to be identifying the voice of a stranger. This is not the voice that I should be listening to. I want to say this. There are some voices in this life that you should not listen to. There, there are some people that are calling for your attention that you should not listen to. There are myriads of people in this day and age who are destroying our nation's young people by getting them to believe these modern philosophies. You know, it's a Jesus of their own mind. Their Jesus doesn't say, go and sin no more. Their Jesus says, go and indulge in sin. Do whatever feels good. Don't let anybody tell you that you're wrong. Don't let the scripture declare what is right and what is wrong. Listen, those are strangers. 
And there are a group of strangers, and by, by the way, some, there are some in this room today, that you're following the voice of strangers right now, and you can, you can be rest assured you are not following the Good Shepherd. You are not following Jesus Christ. Your home is not heaven when you die. In order to get saved, you have to receive the Lord Jesus Christ, and you have to go through that door. You must receive Him. We don't look at Jesus as if the Lord has something bad in mind for us. We look at Christ as He is our Savior. He's the Good Shepherd, and this is what the Bible actually declares. So there's characteristics of the thieves. There are characteristics of the false teachers. There are characteristics of God's sheep. But more importantly than anything else, there are characteristics of the shepherd. What are the characteristics that the Bible speaks of the shepherd in this passage of Scripture? You know, first of all, I just want to point out that Jesus said uh, uh, several times in this passage uh, that he's a good shepherd. You realize that Jesus is a good shepherd. He won't lead you to places you shouldn't go. He's a good shepherd. You know, everything about the Lord is good. He has good plans for your life. You know, if you forsake the shepherd and you go running off with a stranger, that stranger is not going to lead you to a good place. It's not going to lead you to a good pasture. It's not going to lead you to a place of spiritual rest, not in this life or the next. Some people are following strangers and they're thinking that good things are going to happen to them. All I'm here to tell you is that they're just those that will lead you on the path of a stranger are just like the one found in verse number 10. It's a thief. And it's it, the, the thief cometh but for to steal and kill and destroy. Nothing is good that's going to come from following a stranger. Young people, don't follow a stranger. Person who's in the church today and you're listening to the preaching of the Lord of the Lord's word. Listen, if God's trying to reach out to you and say, Don't follow the stranger. Amen. No good thing comes to those who follow strangers. You know, the devil gives people a good time. The Bible talks about the pleasures of sin. That they last for but a season. The pleasures of sin are just like that. Anybody who says that sin and enjoying the pleasures of sin is not pleasurable, they're lying. Sin is pleasurable. But it always leads to a complicated life. And a broken life. If, you're, if, if you are dead set on following a stranger, for those of us who are part of the Lord's church, some of us have been there before. We found, out, we found ourselves in some other field. We found ourselves somewhere where we shouldn't have been. We've experienced the brokenness that comes from a life of sin. For those of you who are determined to go that way, know this. We here who are at the church will be there for you when your life is broken and crumbled. And will help you put your, your life back together. But we'd certainly like for you never to travel a path of sin. We don't want you to waste years of your life for yourself and for, the, the, and for sin. You'll be broken by that. The characteristics of the shepherd, one of the things about Jesus that he says here that is so clear, he says this, I am the door. Many people try to get to Christ through various means of religion. I want to say this, Jesus Christ is not a religion. He is a person. It's Jesus Christ who is the door. You have to come to that door. You have to come through that door. You have to receive Christ as the good shepherd and go through that door. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's only one way to get to heaven. There's only one way to get to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ. You must receive Him as Lord and Savior. He said, I am the door of the sheep. In verse number 7, He is the only way in. Now, there are other ways to get in. 
But he knows who's come to the door. And he knows who's crawled up the other way. Notice in verse number, ten, number 9 again, he says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Basically, Jesus said that if you come through me, the door, you follow me, you come into my fold, you will find pasture. There are many people in this life that they're seeking some pasture. And every season of their life speaks to something different. I've got to get it from this relationship or this job. Or I've got to go through this way or this line of thinking. Listen, nothing other than Jesus will ever satisfy you. You'll find pasture with Christ. Jesus came to give life and to give it more abundantly. Jesus said in verse number 14, He said, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and I know of mine. Sometimes I'm sitting in a service and somebody's preaching about Jesus. And as they're preaching about Jesus, I'm like, it's identifying with my experience with the Lord. And I say, yes, sir, that's, that's Him. Yeah. That's, that's Jesus. That's my shepherd. That's, that's exactly who, who I believe in. Jesus said, listen, I'm known of my sheep and I'm known of mine. <laughs> I'm thankful that I've got a chance to get to know Jesus a little bit. Hello. Yes. One of the first ways that I got to know the Lord was by way of what he was willing to go through so that I might be saved. I remember as I was hearing the messages that were being preached from the, the pulpit about Jesus and his, his suffering in my place and the crown of thorns on his head. And I could see those drops of blood coming down off those crown of thorns. And those drops of blood spoke to me and said, Hey, I love you. He was willing to come to this earth and go through that so that my sins could be forgiven. Let me ask you a question today. Who's your shepherd? Have you ever come to the door? Have you ever come through Jesus Christ in order that you might be saved? Listen, don't die lost. You might be here in the church today, Metropolitan Baptist Church, and hear the words of my mouth. You see the, the words of the Scripture, and the Lord may be trying to work in your heart and show you that you need to be saved. If you are lost today, I want to encourage you to come and be saved. You can be. You know, salvation is an act of faith. It is believing on the Lord Jesus Christ so that He might forgive you of your sin, wash your sins away, reconcile you to God, and you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. It happens once and for all. You come into the family once. You know, Jesus said you need to be born again. You don't need to get born again and again and again and again and again. And some people, they have this idea about being born again or being saved. that They need to get saved repeatedly. Well, I ask the Lord to save me every night. Listen, if you truly get saved, you don't have to get saved every night. You get saved once and once and for all. Just as you were born once into this life. Your mother gives thanks that she didn't have to give birth to you twice. The same thing goes for spiritual birth. You need to have that second spiritual birth. It happens when you come to the end of yourself and realize I'm lost. I've never received Jesus Christ. If you receive Jesus Christ as the good shepherd, you receive it. You've heard the voice of the Lord. You receive it by faith. You can be saved today. Sure. Jesus Christ paid for all of your sin debt on Calvary's cross. And I open pray that as you hear preaching about the shepherd, you say, the Lord is yeah. my shepherd. I've come through that door. I haven't climbed up another way. I've received Jesus Christ. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. We didn't get through everything we wanted to speak about today, but maybe the Lord has spoken a word to your heart. As we stand together, we're going to have this verse of invitation. There could be somebody here today. And you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior.
and even listening to the voice of strangers. Maybe God spoke a word to you. This time in our church, we have what's called an invitation where we'll invite you to come and pray at the altar. It's a private time to be with the Lord with our heads bowed and eyes closed. In just a moment, Brother John's going to sing the first verse of this song. And if God's spoken to you, we invite you to come as we sing this song. You have longed for sweet peace.
Melissa's brother Alan Almeida and his wife Kareem. She told me that her, her name is Karen with two E's and it helped me. So I don't uh, mispronounce her name anymore. If I'm still learning her name, you'll have to forgive me. But Brother Alan and Miss Kareen have come to join with the Metropolitan Brother Allen comes to us uh, from which church in Arlington? Calvary Baptist Church in Arlington. He is a pastor's son. And uh, his dad was a pastor in Long Beach, California. And uh, knowing what pastor's children go through, I am so thankful that God has protected you through your life and brought you to this day and brought you to our church. Amen. Pastor's kids are special kids. A lot of times they see... You know, the ugliness of ministry. And uh, a lot of pastors' kids fall out of church and don't come back. Yeah. I'm thankful, brother, for you know your testimony that you stuck with the Lord. and uh, He has a testimony of salvation. And uh, he was baptized. Where were you baptized again, brother? International Baptist Church, Long Beach, California, when he was a young man. And uh, we're gonna, I'm going to recommend to the church that we take them on statement of faith and baptism. And Miss Kareem was actually saved in the Philippines. At a Baptist church there, and she was baptized in the church of the Philippines. Now, this is how God worked in their lives. Both of them independently knew people who were getting married in the Philippines. And both of them flew to the Philippines to get there, and there they met each other. And they married. And now they have this little girl, Athena, who's been a real blessing to our church. She's the sweetest little girl, and she's learning about the Lord in our Sunday school program. And so uh, we're, I'm going to recommend to the church that we receive both Brother Allen and Miss Kareen on statement of faith and baptism. Uh, do I hear a motion and second from the church? Uh, Brother Chester, Brother Earl, all in favor by the raise of hands. Amen. And all of us went back door. Thank you very much. And uh, we appreciate you being in church today. Isn't it a blessing when people come to unite with the church? And uh, we have prayed for families like uh, the Almeidas. And I'm thankful that God worked in their lives to bring them here to us. They're now a part of our church congregation. And uh, before you're dismissed today, we want to invite you, as the pianist is playing the closing hymn, uh, to come on up here and extend to them the right hand of Christian fellowship and welcome them to our church family. And uh, aren't you thankful that the Lord has led them here? Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We're going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to ask Brother Daniel Flores to dismiss the service of prayer. Don't forget, we have 6 p.m. services tonight. Please be back. We have a trustees and sound meeting at 515 in my office. Please be there for that. Brother Daniel, if you dismiss the service.